Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after what I would think is, in my mind, pretty obviously, the first legitimate win the Winnipeg Jets have earned themselves in nine games. Uh, before this, they'd lost seven of their previous eight games. Their one win came when Connor Hellebuck uh, absolutely goalied the New York Rangers after taking 51 shots. Um, this, to me, regardless of the chaoticness of this game, of the inability at times to hold leads, of just everything kind of going in a million different directions. I think we all know that you don't take a look at this game and think, there's the blueprint. This isn't this isn't one of the blueprint games. But this is a game that the Winnipeg Jets won, and I think won honestly. This isn't a good bounce here or there. This isn't another team, uh, you know, having some bad luck or some bad breaks or something like that. And I'll even say this uh, in the situation that we saw where the Winnipeg Jets were playing the L.A. Kings and lost that game a little while ago in a game where I thought their goaltender in that game was trying to hand the, ga- the game over to the Winnipeg Jets, uh, even though there were goaltending issues on the side of the Oilers on this night. And you would read about it in the Edmonton papers if that were the case. I, I think... The Winnipeg Jets earned the lack of confidence that you saw from the Edmonton Oilers goalie over the game. I'll get into that. But this is, I think, uh, this is a lot of reason to be happy. If you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, not just because this game was a ton of fun. I mean, I'm sitting there doing the game and I'm constantly getting texts and messages as the games are going on. And I'm getting messages from around the league of people saying this game is just absolutely bonkers. This truly was Smythe Division Hockey. Josh Morrissey said as much in the post-game interview. By the way, we'll get into Josh Morrissey because uh, we all know about the MVP uh, debate that uh, that Ken is trying to hold on in. God bless him. Uh, He's trying. He's doing his best. But Josh Morrissey talked about that. This was an old school Smythe Division game. This was fun. You saw a lot of the goals out there that were really high skill, high quality type goals. Uh, You saw pushback. You saw teams continuing to build on this game as, as it went on. This was a fun hockey game. The people in this building went absolutely bananas a number of times. The look on people's faces when the Oilers kept scoring to get back in that game, like the hands to the head and looking up to the sky, uh, you know, that just made the next goal that the Jets scored that much sweeter to watch the reactions. I've said this before. One thing I'll say, I don't cheer for teams, um, but I'll say this, what I love doing in my job is, is watching the pure bliss and reaction that fans have to certain situations. I go back to when the Montreal Canadiens and I covered that went to the Stanley cup final and just watching, you know, the hugs and the high fives and the faces on people and the elation that was there tonight. This was great. This was a packed building. This sold out. You go back to the people in our chat room who've been trying to tell you that the Winnipeg Jets now can't do a rebuild or things are going to go wrong and this building is going to empty out, which to me, if you're saying that, you're saying this isn't a hockey market. Uh, we've heard this time and time again from from different players, from players who came into the Winnipeg Jets, what they talk about when they talk about coming to this building, they, they talk about the building. They don't just talk about the Jets on the ice. They talk about the building. And this was another example of what the Winnipeg Jets fan base looks like at its very best, especially when its team provides entertainment for it. We talked about this and the idea of the fans having booed the Winnipeg Jets in the past. That's why I'm okay with the booing, because if you're okay with the explosion that we saw here from the Winnipeg Jets fans tonight, when their team gave them a reason to explode, people got their money's worth here tonight. This is what it's all about. Coming to a game, getting your money's worth, enjoying it. The looks on the faces of the little kids was absolutely lights out. This is what it's all about. So yeah, all those people who say, who are trying to shame you for booing when your team is not providing you with what they should have been. I've got 
big time problems with that. You do you, you fan how you fan, because when you fan like you fan tonight, it was absolutely amazing. Now, interesting game here in the idea that I think two teams look at this in very different lights. I'll start with the Edmonton Oilers. You talked to their head coach. I asked him a question about this, and he said, look, this is a game that was a sloppily played game on both sides uh, where a couple saves here and a key goal there made the difference. Uh, but this was a game that was entirely up for grabs because both teams were not committed to playing a game that wasn't sloppy in nature. And he thought that both both coaches would see it that way. Well, I took that and I asked the question uh, to Rick Bonus, and he didn't agree with it at all. And in a situation like this, I don't think you can. Think of it like that if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Having lost seven of your last eight games, this is a situation where a win is a win is a win. And I don't necessarily agree with that win is a win is a win statement because, again, I go back and you heard me and I heard it from you how upset people were when I told you that that game against the New York Rangers where they where Connor Hellebuck goalied the New York Rangers, that's a fool's gold game. This, I don't believe, is fool's gold. And for a lot of reasons, but one of them is this comment that I saw right off the bat from Pat Rathwell, who says, the Jets really stuck with it tonight and didn't fold. That was good to see, finally. I agree with that. And I think top-line media had said something about it earlier on. I'm not going to be able to, while I'm talking, go through and get it here. But the Jets had every reason to crumble at the beginning of that game. And from what we've seen over the Winnipeg Jets, or, or, or from the Winnipeg Jets over the last little while, is you almost would have expected the Winnipeg Jets to crumble after that first goal is allowed so early in the game. And then again, when they jump up in the game and the Edmonton Oilers come back and take the lead, you would have expected them to crumble again at that time. Uh, we didn't see that. We saw the Winnipeg Jets that found a way to push back up and down their lineup. We find the right kind of fight. We have to talk about the Sacramento line in play that drew the penalty that ended up resulting in the game-winning goal in this game. So much right was done in this game, allowing five goals. Not so much. Uh, there's something to be talked about. Again, this isn't the blueprint. There's things to be done. But there is reason to believe after a game like this, that the Winnipeg Jets have found something that they can carry forward. Now, we've, we've had moments like this during last season when they missed the playoffs where it would look like they found that. Everyone should remember that big win they had over the Tampa Bay Lightning last season that everyone thought, okay, here we go. And then what we found from this Jets team that has been problematic is they can have games like this and then they can lay an egg the next game. That's something we need to watch out for. But as of right now, the body has a pulse and it's time to talk about it. Who do we like to talk about it with? Well, I love talking about it with my main man, Kenny Weave, the man with the best music in the business. So let's talk to him about it. Here he comes. Ken, I love that song. You want to know why I love that song? Because I like to rock. And one thing that people probably don't realize happens probably almost every time on this show is people call for the headband and I always expect to wear it. And then I get going with the show and I entirely forget to put it on. Put but it on right so now. Early. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. So early, so let's make Saturday night. Let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Ready show. Let's go.
Kenny, every once in a while, you and I get out on the ice together and play some old timers hockey. I think when next time Not we do, that we old. need to push. We need to push to have goal songs incorporated, <laughs> and you use your entry song as your goal song. I use Sean's headband as my goal song. How awesome would it be to rip a goal and just rock out to that afterwards? That would be great. Uh, Kenny, how are you doing here tonight? What did you make of this game? Uh, fantastic, Sean. Yeah, I hope the broadcast went well. Uh, we spent our, Great. you know, spent most of the game separated, but you know, I knew you were crushing it on the old broadcast, so I was up here trying to do my part to hold down the fort up in the press box. Certainly, an interesting game for sure. <laughs> lots of, lots of activity. High event hockey. Uh, certainly, the Jets had a few things they would like to clean up, but for the most part, this was an emotional response. So, was this a template? Absolutely not. But what it was was a team that was unwilling to simply roll over which is what they looked like for most of friday night so i think your commentary about the pulse uh being there is accurate and it was it, it was absolutely necessary because if the jets just fade into the night in a game like this against the edmonton oilers and give up seven or eight or whatever the end result was going to be and lose for a sixth consecutive night that was bad news bears for them in terms of what it was going to happen for them during the stretch run one game does not a season make but it was a required response i thought it was an important response for a team that We've been talking a lot about accountability here in the last stretch of time. And Rick Bonus himself at the beginning of the week admitted that the accountability had dipped a little bit. So, well, the accountability was certainly there when Rick Bonus scratched Nate Schmidt for the first time this season. And I understand that, you know, some people may view Nate Schmidt as some sort of a sacrificial lamb. And yes, there are other nights where there were other veteran players who may have deserved to take a seat. But that's neither here nor there. So you can only take care of what's happening uh, in front of you. Rick Bonus felt it was necessary. He inserted Kyle Capabianco and Dylan Sandberg for Nate Schmidt and Logan Stanley. And it was you know, those guys did their part. I mean, Dylan Sandberg was blocking shots and getting involved. And there's Kyle Capabianco coming out of the, you know, WrestleMania undertaker coffin uh, playing his first game and he probably again i have to have double check but you know once a month or whatever it is for him comes out and you know, gets the job done with you know smart efficient passing and and chips in a goal as well for a defense core that outside of josh morris he hadn't been getting a lot accomplished in terms of the offensive game dylan Demello, we talked about it on the show i had a tough night on friday there's no denying that but he also got kicked in the face uh, today, he's on the ice protecting the one-goal lead late with the empty net, and he has the precision bank shot, whether you want to use a pool reference or curling, uh, whatever it takes uh, to get the job done with 34.5 seconds left. And, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, those were the kind of responses the Jets needed. But most importantly was the emotional side of the response, Sean. This was a game that could have gone off the rails, but it didn't. So good on them for finding a response that had not been there uh, for quite some time. There was an opportunity for the Jets to wilt, to show some fragility and and kind of get taken over in a game where, you know, they gave up and, you know, took an early penalty, gave up an early goal, kind of were on their heels a bit, but they didn't. And they found a way to get the job done. So, you know, there were some things they're going to need to clean up. Obviously, Mark Schleife got an important goal. He got the response goal early in the first. It was a bad turnover on the Leon Dreisaitl rooftops backhand, but he battled and he you know kept in the game. And you know there's contributions throughout the lineup, and we'll get into them in a in a minute. But the complimentary scoring was there, something that had not been there enough throughout the course of this stretch and the season, quite frankly. But overall, the Jets found a way to stabilize but you know the game doesn't mean anything if they can't beat the san jose sharks on monday but this was a by any means necessary type of scenario for the jets and at the end of the day they got the job done um before we get going too far i just gotta say kenny you're looking good i gotta say uh i was loving this got a lot of compliments on the suit going on here this tie frankie and the boys went down there when he pulled this tie out for me it almost blew my mind i gotta say i'm not sure 
if I'm quite wearing it right, because you got the window panes in here and I've got like the checkered shirt, like, you know, the little math graphs. A lot of loudness going on there, Sean. A lot of loudness, but you're a bold guy. You're a bold guy. I'm a bold guy. I'm wearing a headband and a suit. I mean, come on. If you could pull off a headband and a suit, you could pull off almost anything. I just think kind of the the vivid, kind of crazy, swooshy lines, they may be contrasting, but that's me. I don't get everything right. I get a lot right. I don't get everything right. One thing I got to say, I get right is that I go on down and see Frankie at the boys and the boys over at uh, Vittorio Rossi down on Corden Avenue. Go check them out. Frankie, at the boys, they'll take good care of you. They'll have you looking like Kenny and Rennie in no time. And I got to say, Kenny and Rennie are looking good right now. Thanks to Frank and the boys for being along for the ride with us. Um, people were talking about the wrestling references that you just dropped here. I like this because I want to talk a little bit about a wrestling reference. I got to say this. I've liked it down the stretch here in this debate that we've had over MVP, Connor Hellbuck. Surprising you, you want to bring that Josh up Josh Morrissey on me, or on my side of things. I know the other day that I saw uh, Scotty tried to pile on in the chat room and tell me that I'm wrong. This is what I love about this, Ken, because if you've ever noticed, you, you, you know when a guy puts throws someone in a sleeper hold in a wrestling match when you're watching old school WWF and a guy's in the sleeper hold, right? Well, how boring would it be if you threw the guy in the sleeper hold and he just went to sleep, right? He just dropped and then you picked up the other. Yeah. You don't this want is the that. One, this you is the one the drop. This is the two drop. This is yes. the Hulkamania shake. Like yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You want you want the opponent to fight. That's what that's where the juice is, right? Is you've got the guy in the headlock and he's fighting. He's Let's talk about this best. in twenty games. He's, he's clawing at the air. He's trying to reach for the rope. He's trying to get out of it. That's what you and Scotty have been doing for a long time now. Right now, I've had you guys in the sleeper hold for a while, and I've enjoyed. It's been delicious seeing you guys struggle through this on the way to me winning this debate quite handily in the end is oh, how yeah. it's gonna go. There is at this stage, I don't know how you argue this. Uh, Rick Bonus talked about it. You can now pick up multiple examples of Josh Morrissey picking up his team, dusting them off, and throwing them into the fight with not only him getting the goals, but getting people involved. Uh, tonight, two goals and an assist. He's all over it here tonight. Um, I don't know. I take a look at this situation. I talked with him afterwards, after the game. It's funny. I had a funny conversation with him, Ken, because he came out to talk with us after the game. And I said, Josh, are you ever going to let me to talk to anyone else on this team? Because at the end of the game, you're supposed to talk to the star of the game after one of our broadcasts. And I'm on a run of talking to Josh Morrissey every single time. He is all over this here. Ken, he is. You, you can tap out at any moment. <clears throat> Sean, so we're going to stay. We're going to go to sleep. We're, we're going to stay but on the wrestling references. From, you can stop right now because right now you're Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and I am Macho Man Savage. I just grabbed the ring bell and hit you over the head with it because I'm annoyed with you. You know I love Josh Morrissey's game, so stop making it sound like I don't. I'm going to have to get you with the honky tonk man guitar over the you back cannot, of the back of the head if you if you don't you, stop you it. You liked his game, but do you truly appreciate it if you can't see what I'm seeing here this whole time? Do you truly appreciate it? I do, yes. I have been uh, pumping his tires for the last three years, so especially the last two. Uh, Josh was excellent today. He certainly uh, did an outstanding job. His goal with 1.2 seconds remaining in the second period gave this arena a lift in what was an absolutely bonkers period that featured seven goals, including five in, a, I think, a four-minute and you know, under five-minute span. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Morrissey was excellent again. Oh, again, the numbers speak for themselves. Morrissey, 27-40, 31 shifts, six shots on goal, one hit, two block shots. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I mean, he's been he's been excellent. There are two players in contention for the MVP award. Uh, you know, we know who they are. We'll see in the next 20 games uh, if Josh puts the team on his back and gets them into the playoffs and if, you know, if Connor doesn't do his part. I mean, here's the thing. Jets aren't getting into the playoffs unless Connor Hellbuck does his part in the same equation. So uh, Josh has been excellent. Today was another MVP-like performance. But so were 14 saves by Hellebuck in the third period in a game where he wasn't at his sharpest uh, before that. So great reference by T. Will, the barbershop window at... There could be Love a Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty special uh, coming on to the barbershop as well. No, 
the the biggest moment in the barbershop, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's that's essentially oh, what yeah. made Sean Michael for the sure. biggest moment in the barbershop. Yeah, it's good night. The, good night to the rockers, right no there. No, exactly. And, and exactly. This this relationship isn't headed towards the uh, Kenny and Rennie <laughs> divorce lawyer. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Josh was great. Too close to any of those barbershop windows, Kenny. You never yeah, know. Do, yeah, never exactly. Know. You know, I got to look. I, I know I have to look over my shoulder when you're on the ice. Don't worry about <laughs> that, buddy. Uh, excellent performance by Josh Morrissey. But uh, as we get into the lamp later, I want to talk about the uh, aforementioned uh, secondary scoring. Uh, Josh Morrissey has the runner-up when it comes to the lamplighter, uh, but for me, it's there is no question. There is no question that the lamplighter this evening, brought to you by the good folks at Trans Canada Brewing Company, belongs to the man who wears number 17. Uh, Adam Lowry had gone 35 games without scoring a goal. It had been annoying him to no end. Uh, he conceded that it had seeped into other parts of his game. Uh, but on this night, Adam Lowry delivers the lamplighter by doing what Adam Lowry does, getting to the net, redirecting a shot. And let's be frank, Sean, Sandstorm has never felt better to one Adam Lowry this evening. He wasn't done there. We got a lot going on for Adam Lowry. But his second period goal is easily the lamplighter for me in a night where there were many multiple options I mentioned the beauty by Dreisaitl backhand shelf uh, you know Kyle Capabianco coming out of the you know coming out like I said out of the Undertaker coffin and scoring his second Morrissey's goal is fantastic but uh, that goal by Adam Lowry on a night where he did an excellent job with line mates Morgan Barron who snapped a 20 game drought of his own and Vladislav Nemesnikov, who we're going to get into uh, over his fantastic debut. That's uh, Lowry's goal is the lamplighter for me, and I would imagine you agree. I, You know what? You nailed it, Ken. Uh, someone had said the pop that happened in this building afterwards, and a lot of times what it is is it's just quite simply the response that you get from the crowd in that moment, but people loved it, and it's the right kind of goal, Ken. And who is right Not on cheating. Lowry's shoulder? When that happens, Connor McDavid is right yeah. there. Not only did he do that, but he outmuscled Connor McDavid to get to that spot. That I just thought was emblematic of how this game ended up. Listen, this Oilers team is a team that has a lot more depth than people give it credit for. Uh, yep. Matthias Janmark is a is a perfect example of how Nick Bukestad, perfect addition. Bukestad, exactly. But also take into a fact that right now there's one team in the league that has more than one 30-goal scorer on it. That's the Edmonton Oilers. They have three of them, and Zach Hyman has 29 goals. They almost have four 30-goal scorers, while the rest of the league each only has one if they have that on them. So this is a team that's getting this done, but this was a night where I took a look at it, and we'll dive into a little bit more. But the Jets' depth showed up, and I thought that was perfect. I hope one of the camera guys, Rusty or Kerry or someone like that, got a good shot of Adam Lowry standing in front of Connor McDavid, redirecting that puck. It was absolutely huge, and I agree with you 100%, Ken. For me, that was the lamplighter of the game. And, hey, if you want to share with us your lamplighter, you should do so, because if you do, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you can wait for Kenny and Rennie to hand you one out, well... I guess you've got more self-control than I've got because I can't wait. And so if you can't wait like me, you should probably hit down a TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them at their Trent Tap Room at 11290 Keniston. Uh, they've got great pizza, great food, great appies, tons of great beer. Uh, and you know what I love about it, Ken? They're just constantly rolling through new beer, new beer, new beer. They're trying stuff. They're experimenting. So there's always something new there to check out and the time to check it out would be if you haven't already bought your tickets to the next Kenny and Rennie Live event on April 18th. Well, you go here, click on this link or plug that link in and you can head on down there, buy your tickets. Space is limited, so jump all over that. It is also the last Kenny and Rennie Live show we will do that both Kenny and I will be there. Kenny's too big to show up the next week on April 25th to his own birthday party. So if you want to get... I'll know, show up. I just Kenny won't be on site, buddy. Come on. If you want Don't some be lying. live Kenny action, then you may got to make sure you come down there for the 18th. Head on down there. And I also have to say, announce the winner 
of the mm -hmm. lamplighter from our last show is Cronley. Cronley, I don't know if I've seen you in the chat room, but if I haven't, uh, you have won the lamplighter for our last show. You know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name, Mr. Cronley, Miss Cronley, Mrs. Cronley. Send me an email. I can send you the voucher. And if you cash in properly and in time, you too. Like Scooter did. Frosty, delicious. Yeah, Scooter most definitely did. You will have your own frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Get it done, Cronley. Okay, let's move on to the gotcha covered play of the game, Ken. Yeah, clean sweep for Adam Lowry, uh, my man. Uh, the fight for Lowry is my we've got you covered moment of the game. Um, brought, to, uh, brought, to, brought to you uh, by the good folks. Friends of the Johnson Group. Anything yeah, buddy, and I guess you could extend that. And the, the extension, you know, eh, you know what? Hang on, we don't want to. We don't want to make it a clean sweep. We're gonna. Lowry took his part in the we. He had he had Saku Menelainen covered, but in this situation, let's give Saku Menelainen the we've That's got you covered, I Sean. It. I think uh, for his hit on Connor McDavid, which led to his teammate and at the time line mate to step up to into his own weight class and not allow Saku Menelainen to be getting into a tilt with Darnell Nurse. Uh, you know, kudos to Lowry for that, but that's something he's done numerous times. The fact that Menelainen got under the skin of the Oilers in each of the last two nights uh, with this physical nature, including a body check on Connor McDavid today. And one quick one, I know last night a lot of people were up in arms about the cross-checking penalty to Menelainen. and thought, it, like, if that hits, I think that, Sean, this is what happened. We've been in this situation before. Uh, you know, both of us in scrums. It was definitely a cross-checking motion, but I think Menelainen's fist landed before. If, if that stick to the face, that's a suspendable offense. I think because his glove popped his opponent in the visor first, that's why there wasn't a suspension there. But there were some unhappy Oilers, uh, apparently, with Saka Menelainen, and I didn't see it fully, but I definitely saw look like Dreisaitl stuck Menelainen after the empty net goal. There was definitely an exchange that occurred. But regardless, the fact that Menelainen was involved physically, blocking shots, killing penalties, uh, I know he doesn't provide a whole lot of offense, but uh, he was involved in the game. And his hit on McDavid also resulted in a power play that led to that slapper goal from the point that Josh Morrissey had with 1.2 seconds remaining in the second period. And that's why I am shifting gears on the fly and providing Saku Menelainen with the we've got you we've got you covered play of the game sponsored by the good folks uh the ogs from the johnston group well pivoted ken and you were talking about them our good friends at the johnston group you won't find two businesses with the same challenges but you will find thirty thousand businesses with chambers plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at johnston group chambers plan is canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live Plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Thank you so much to our friends, the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnston Group. And you know what? It's such a good idea the uh, gotcha covered play. I'm going to take this into overtime. You there know you what go. this reminded me of? The Saku Menelainen play, which I agree is the gotcha covered play of the game. This reminded me of that game a couple years back in the Canadian division when the Jets were taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. and they went after their big guy, Austin Matthews. Okay? And this is why I love this. Pierre-Luc Dubois goes after him. But at this point in the game, this is why I love this. The Jets have the lead. And instead of sitting on it, instead of being, you know, like sitting back and giving space to the guy that you know has the potential to kill you, I love the attitude of the Jets that they were like, you know what? I know that right now we're in the middle of a track meet. And you know who's pretty good at track meets? This Connor <laughs> McDavid guy. He's pretty fast. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go. You know what would keep a guy from running really fast to the finish line? If I walked over and I punched him in the mouth. That's a great way to handle this here. That's what we saw Saku Menelainen do. I think it was a little bit of a a little bit of a drag. I could understand why Oilers fans or Oilers players would be upset with that play. 
but it's one of those plays where they towed the line and got a shot in on one of the guys who could be problematic for them. And you know, you know if you're going to do something like that to Connor McDavid that the Oilers are going to get upset. And this is a scenario in which, like that game, back in the in the Canadian division where the Winnipeg Jets played the uh, the Cal- sorry the Toronto Maple Leafs and took them off their game and took their interest entirely away from the scoreboard for at least a piece of that game and then that allowed them to capitalize on it because the other team got into penalty trouble and did their thing this is what happened here tonight how close was this game Ken it was a one goal game yeah. that was the difference the difference in this game essentially is Josh Morrissey's power play goal that is scored on a power play that is earned by Saku Menelainen. It's a one-goal game. That's the difference here tonight, and the difference comes down to the fact that for just that one second, that one play, Darnell Nurse and the Edmonton Oilers forgot about the scoreboard and started focusing on retribution. This is another way of saying that the Winnipeg Jets took their concentration off where it was supposed to be. Look, This was a track meet where two goaltenders didn't necessarily have their best games, but the Jets made this. In the the end, the Oilers played a two-dimensional game, and the Jets played a three-dimensional game. And Saku Menelainen brought that third dimension with the the emblematic punch in the mouth of Connor McDavid to create this situation. That's why there's a difference here tonight. So most definitely, Saku Mandelainen has you covered. And I will say this. I think when the Jets play like this, this is when they're at their best. It's an element of their game that they're okay with playing, especially when Pierre-Luc Dubois is in the lineup, that I don't think most other lineups do. And when the Jets do play that game, they typically play it well. And when they play it well, they get the proper response from the other team. The Jets win here tonight because they remembered a part of themselves that I think they had forgotten for some time, and they trotted that out at the perfect time of the game, and there you go. Kenny's water bottle says, yes, Kenny Dreisaitl stuck him after the empty netter dirty. Uh, Listen, you want to know you got under someone's skin? That just happened. This is the last shot the Winnipeg Jets had at the Edmonton Oilers before playoffs. If they meet each other in the playoffs, I think this is a good temperature to start that playoff series at if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and a quick one too, folks. I mean, if the Jets just if you're Jets if you're a Jets fan, put yourself in the Oilers' shoes. You want Drysaitel responding in that regard. You want Darnell Nurse dropping the glove. So uh, I get the fired upness and and everything else, and we know that uh, the Oilers have inflicted enough pain on Jets fans over the years dating back to the '80s. But uh, that's why you know. That's the same kind of idea. But I also, Sean, this is what I love, and I have to mention this because it is one of my biggest annoyances in the National Hockey League. I love the fact that Rick Bonus is one of the most old-school guys in the National Hockey League, and he thinks it's downright absurd for someone to have to fight after a clean hit. And I love that about Rick. Uh, okay, but here, I'll, I'll say this. I do think that what uh, you heard, you heard oh, I guess you didn't, Kevin Bieksa talked about it, and he said it's almost like a modified slew foot or a half slew foot, what Saku Menelainen does in that situation. That, listen, you don't agree, that's fine. No, that's I trust him, but here's the problem. It's so hard to hit him that you're probably sticking your leg out just to kind of stabilize yourself. I no, don't think... No, no, no. If you, wa- if you watch the play, he, he very much has him lined up. And he, it's basically like a sweep the leg kind of thing. Okay, and do you think right? Nurse saw that and that's why he went at him? I think that he saw... Oh, yeah. I think he oh, saw yeah. McDavid down on the ice and immediately went at him to fight him. I don't think he thought uh, it was a dirty play at the time. I'm going to tell you right now, if Jets fans, if this had happened to Mark Shifley in this situation or Kyle Connor. Oh, I love that he's going after him. It's fine. People would be pissed off about it. I'm okay with this. Well, then it's not as clean a hit as we said. Then we're talking about something different. I just think, like, I think I use Truba as an example. If there's a big hit in the chest, you should never have to fight for that. I think that's absurd. Well, and so this is the point I was trying to get to. Rick has, listen, Rick feels this way because Rick has said this before. It's not the first time he said in this league, for whatever reason, you got to fight every time there's a clean hit. There was a sense to me that there was a little bit of Rick Bonus saying that tonight to try and go out in the media and characterize that as a perfectly clean hit because there's a debate out there whether it was or not. And oh, okay. I think that that, that Sorry, I, think I didn't that's see it that closely. Um, 
but but that said, we do know, and I agree with you, and I also do think this is ridiculous. Like, if you get hit in this day and age, I mean, stand up, take and go a number, back and hit the guy back. That's the I think I think Ken, maybe that's the biggest problem with the league at this stage. Or sorry, I shouldn't say the biggest problem. There's lots of big problems. One thing I've always liked is hitting in the game. I don't think there's enough hitting in the game. I would far rather see a nice clean hit, not be responded by a scrum and guys trying to fight. I'd far rather see. Uh, a scenario in which okay that's a big hit and now the other team is coming looking for a big hit. find that, that guy with I'd his like head down find that guy it, with his head down let's not say head down i think that's a term that has to die because head down kind of insinuates sorry that you're gonna catch the head you know what i'm i i know what you're i don't saying. want him to hit him in but, the head either but exactly you know, get a exactly. guy if a guy exposes himself to be hit hit him it's go contact get sport it's, it's not it yeah exactly i'm all for that but again people know how i feel about this i've said this many times i love the element of pierre luc dubois game that is flirting with crossing the line i love that and i thought sakuman and lions play flirted with crossing the line but i think it wasn't over the line ken that's what i'm saying is it perfectly clean well it's clean enough that it didn't get called but it's dirty enough that the other team is going to be upset about it because there's a little bit of a dirty element to it, which means that Saku Manalainen went out and walked the tightrope perfectly in this situation. I love it. Again, it affects the game. This is hockey to me. This is hockey when you play and these little types of plays throughout the game can have a big effect. That was the effect that happened in this game tonight. That's the difference. That's why the Winnipeg Jets won. And everyone gets a piece of this. I like it. Uh, l- let's get to the benching. Uh, before we get uh, to the benching, I okay. shouldn't say benching, taking out of the lineup. Before we do that, give a shout out to our main man, Sweetly. Yeah, for the folks in the realty market that require your realty needs to be met, whether you're buying a home, looking to sell your home, looking to see what the house on the corner of your own street is worth, maybe looking to move to another part of town. Contact our main man, Lou Ferlin, at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. You can reach him at 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N dot C-A. And his website with all of his listings is www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including the show for which we are very grateful. Absolutely love Sweet Lou. Okay, let's get Nemesnikov before we get to benching. No? Okay. Uh, let's 37 go minutes. Sorry, I, I just think away. that he was very good in this game. Uh, we got into some debates. Lots of people going wild about no, John, no James Van Riemsdyk. I'm sorry. Nemestikov is a smart player. He's a good ad. Is he a perfect ad? Is he going to be a top six guy that is a 20-goal guy perennially like Nito Niederreiter? No, he's not. But all of your game game score and adjustments and whatever else, like there is a very important part about analytics. But Nemestikov is one year removed from a 16-goal season. So don't tell me he's not going to help the bottom six. So this is a guy that has been traded twice this week. He skated one time this morning without his teammates. He got onto the ice, played 14-plus minutes. Oh, and what's your assignment? How'd you like to go up against two of the best players in the NHL and see how you do? So, like, this is a good player. Has he been traded a lot? Yes. Does he only have six goals this year? Yes, that's accurate. He's not going to be a massive producer. But Nemesnikov, Sean, is the kind of guy that helps teams get into the playoffs. And he's probably one of those unsung heroes that's going to score an important goal in a series when you need someone in the unsung hero category to step up his game. This guy gets involved physically plays with a bit of edge, has plenty of speed, and he has the skill set that was that made him a first-round draft pick. So let's give the guy a little bit of runway to see how he can play before we're making all these bold claims saying, oh, well, the Jets should have got JVR instead. Uh, I think this is a smart addition. This isn't going to revert to what we were talking about yesterday. I think the Jets still could have added another player. If we're talking about salary, Nick Bukestad probably still could have helped them uh, he is going to help the Oilers. The, could the Jets have added a defenseman? Yes. But Nemestikov is a smart pickup. 
His coach knows what he is all about. And Rick Bonus isn't just tossing around platitudes, Sean. He's not going out there, you know, by the way, I'm going to let you know this guy is a, t- a tough bugger, gets involved, loves his compete. There he is blocking a shot with four minutes and 14 seconds left from Evan Bouchard. And you know what else Rick Bonus thinks about Vladislav Nemesnikov? Well, he had him on the ice in a six-on-five scenario yeah. on the day he arrived and met his new teammates. So... Let's give the guy a little bit of a runway to see what he's going to bring. But I expect him to bring plenty, which is why he's going to be beside Adam Lowry uh, probably for the foreseeable future here. Um, I, I got to say I was I was impressed. Uh, I'll say this, Ken. I first I first started paying attention to Vladdy mm-hmm. Nesnikov. You've got good history with him also. Yeah, back in the 2015 Stanley Cup final, I looked at him and thought that he was going to be an emerging player that was going to be really big in this league. So I have to, it surprised me um, when he started kind of bouncing around the league the way that he did. And I know, I remember when he went to Ottawa, I really liked that move. I remember last year when they picked him up at the trade deadline, the uh, Dallas Stars, uh, I thought to myself, okay, I like that pickup for them. It's not, you know world shaking it's funny how this time around when you know you kind of get in the back of your head this idea of a guy who keeps moving and moving and moving and becomes a little bit of a suitcase that that kind of makes you for whatever reason kind of slough them off as not being as good a player as you would typically think because i remember last year thinking with the dallas stars oh that's a really good pickup this year i saw that the jets got him i thought that's a good pickup and i wasn't kind of like ooh until i saw him play tonight and it's interesting on the broadcast, uh, Big Lou was talking about uh, um, was talking about him, and and he brought up what behind the scenes uh, Rick Bonus brought to us. That he's like, listen, this guy's tougher than you think. This yeah. guy is an absolute spark plug. Kind of, you know, has the ability to put points on the board like he did tonight. Has the ability to be defensive like he did tonight. Anyone see that shot block he had at an absolutely crucial time of the game that got a huge rise out of the Jets bench at the perfect time of the game? And he's got toughness. Like, we, this is what I loved about him. He stepped out here tonight after sitting, and, and the backstory to this is he got traded to the San Jose Sharks. He never went to San Jose. He never because he knew he was going to be traded. By he them. was never going to be playing there. He knew that this was just an asset move, so he was just waiting to go somewhere. But he shows up here in Winnipeg, and I love his idea of like, what can I do to endear myself to my teammates? Okay, well, I can go and I can jam the puck and take a stab at the puck on a goaltender who's looking shaky tonight, and get in his kitchen and stand over him to the point that he forced Connor McDavid to come over and try and take care of that business. So there you go. You got Connor McDavid. You're getting in the goalie's kitchen. You're getting in Connor McDavid's kitchen. You go out there and you block a shot. You go out there, you get an assist. You play hard the entire night. There's like seven different things he did tonight that got a rise out of the Winnipeg Jets bench that that bench took a look at this situation and thought, wow, I like having this guy here. He put his stamp on a game that, like I said, Ken, was a one-goal game. We've talked about all the little bit of the different things that happened. Vladdy Nemestikov, if you grab him and take him out of the lineup tonight, I, I'll say this, Ken, I think there's a good chance that the Jets don't win that game, other but, than the fact that they've got Josh Morrissey who's going to put him <laughs> over the top because he's the MVP. Indeed. But, but in an alternate universe, you take a look at this. There's a good chance they do not win this game if Vladdy Nemestikov doesn't come in and jump in. Nick Bukestad on the other side for the Edmonton Oilers, he definitely weighs in because he gets a goal, but it was a little bit of a gimme gift goal. I take a look at the two deadline acquisitions of those two teams. I think Nemestikov played the bigger role in the win tonight for the Winnipeg Jets than Bukestad did uh for the Edmonton Oilers, not just saying that because they win. I, the hard part here, Ken, is Nick Bukestad has been sitting waiting to play hockey for a really, really long time. So the fact that he returned to the lineup and scored is a pretty big thing. But you're right about Vladdy Nemestikov. He was absolutely phenomenal here tonight. Kevin Dayoff did a good job here. I know people don't want to say it. I know tonight the fact that the Jets win, it saves a little bit of the heat from Kevin Cheveldayoff. I think if we had our cameras trained on him, he would have done one of these after that game was over because he needed to have the heat taken off of him. But Nino Niederreiter looks good in a Jets jersey. Nemesnikov looks good in a Jets jersey. If these are half measures that were taken, and I think most of us agree that they were, 
they were very well executed half measures. Yeah, and one other thing too, for folks who don't know Nemestikov and just went to the old uh, you know hockey card special and said, oh well, he's only got six goals, fifteen points this year with Tampa, can't be much of an impact player. Well, his shooting percentage down considerably at eight point three. Uh, whereas his career shooting percentage is 12.7. He's had 16-goal season, a 17-goal season, a 22-goal season, and a 14-goal season. So this is a guy that can give you some complimentary offense. So once again, it was an important start for him. Uh, He's the kind of guy who has had to work on consistency during his game, but this is a guy who can help the Winnipeg Jets, and he's a smart addition to play on the third line. But, you know, he's got to do it over the course of the 20 games. But that's that's a smart... Uh, that's a really smart pickup, and that's a guy who made an impact in his debut. Uh, we had a chance to speak to, with him quickly before the game today. Uh, pretty outgoing guy. Uh, certainly has been through this before in terms of being traded several times at the deadline, and now it's about getting comfortable and feeling good, and I agree with you completely. Uh, Nino Niederreiter was excellent today. And one thing for Jets folks or people who watch the Jets, and Sean, I know you are watching during the broadcast, what we saw between Nino Niederreiter and Mark Shifley is integral. This is a guy that is immediately meshing with a player who needs a running mate down the stretch run. Uh, Right now, Shifley got the, uh, you know, got the goal early. I loved what I saw with those two with a couple of really nice plays and a very smart play by Niederreiter who, after a stick was broken at the left point, I believe, Niederreiter ensured to get the puck to Dylan DeMello at that right point, which led to the Shifley goal. I love the way that Niederreiter has gotten involved physically, and we know there are other guys who need to get chemistry with line mates and get themselves going, including Nikolai Ehlers, but Nino Niederreiter really making an impact at a time when the Jets need him. Because, Sean, another thing that happened tonight, Kyle Connor, a couple of great chances, but... Kyle Connor is not dialed in right now when it comes to his offensive game. He's not skating the way we're used to seeing. And yeah. he had a point blanker that he missed, a one-timer that went wide that was yeah. put right on in the wheelhouse by Kevin Stenland on that shot. He had another great chance, high danger chance in the slot. He didn't get as much on it as we're used to seeing. So at a time when Kyle Connor needs to kind of find his goal-scoring mojo again, I really liked what I've seen from Niederreiter. Uh, but we'll, you know, there's other things the Jets got to get going within that top six, and I'm guessing that's what we're going to get into next. Well, no, I want to no? just uh, okay. stay on this for a second. I want to sure. ask you this question because I started thinking about this, and we know that uh, I'll share what Rick Bonus said before the game. When it came to Nino Niederreiter, he had said basically until Pierre-Luc Dubois comes here, he's not or gets back into the lineup, but he's not necessarily overly sure what he has in Nino Niederreiter. So the plan as this was going to go, was that Rick Bonus wanted to get Nino Niederreiter and, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois playing together and kind of have those guys head out and abuse the other team and play, you know, a gritty brand of hockey, hard brand of hockey to play with that little bit of skill that they have. Never mind a little bit of skill, you know, the ability to put the puck in the back of the net. I'm hoping, and it, to be honest, I was thinking about this as you were talking, I don't know enough, I don't know that I've seen enough examples from Rick Bonus this year to know whether or not Rick is the kind of guy who thinks something like that and is going to go there regardless or whether he could be t- deterred by this because I take a look at this and I had this thought earlier tonight. I wanted to talk about it here. I take a look at what I saw from that line. That should be the Jets' first line. Having that edge that Nino Niederreiter brings, but the ability that he has to get in front of the net. I mean, that one goal that Josh Morrissey scores, I don't know that it goes in if Nino Niederreiter is not in front of the net. But he does not look out of place in his playmaking ability with that line. We've talked a lot of times, especially when there are injuries, about the times that Mark Shifley was out on lines with certain players that were in to fill the gaps. And you could just see he'd turn and try and make a skilled play. And it was like he was speaking a different language to his line mates. That's not the case with Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter gets how to play with him, gets how to play with Kyle Connor. I think that this is the Winnipeg Jets' new line. And if they continue playing like what we saw from them here tonight, I think it would be sacrilege to take Nino Niederreiter off this line and put him with Pierre-Luc Dubois when he gets back because something here looks to me like it's working. This needs to be explored further. Oh, absolutely. And this is something that you and I talked about. We were kind of debating the the whole idea of the blunt force trauma with 
you know, Dubois and Niederreiter versus getting Mark Scheifele, someone who can do the heavy lifting and the dirty work and getting to the blue paint. Uh, you know, I can see either one of those scenarios unfolding and playing out. But right now, based on what I saw, small sample size and all, I think that Nino Niederreiter, especially with the physical element he is bringing to the game, that's something that is going to create the requisite amount of space required for Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor to go into the 2018 playoff form. So to me, I think he should stick with it that way. And to me, it's also twofold, Sean. They also need to get Nikolai Ehlers going with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Nikolai Ehlers, there's been a big debate. We know this. He only played just under 12 minutes today. I don't think that's enough ice time. But there's a reason for this, people. Nikolai Ehlers is not feeling 100% physically. There's a big difference between being medically cleared and missing you know, almost half a season after having sports hernia surgery. Nikolai Ehlers is reliant on his legs to be an impact player. Right now, Nikolai Ehlers is trying hard. He's doing what he can. But he doesn't have the same level of explosiveness, at least not for an extended amount or a sustained amount of time in a game. Nikolai Ehlers can't play 20 minutes right now, people. Physically, he is not able to get to that level for a long enough stretch of time. Do I think he needs to be higher than 12 minutes? Absolutely, yes. But it's going to be more like the 14 to 15 or 16 minute category until he can get his legs underneath him. And right now he does not have them underneath him. And Sean, in a lot of ways, it's it's forcing him to make some certain plays. It, it's forcing him to kind of make kind of some of those hope plays that we're not used to seeing with him. I think Nikolai Ehlers is frustrated a little bit, but I think a lot of it has to do with his health and not as much about the ice time. Of course he wants to play more, but for all you folks who think he should be at the 20-22-minute mark, that's not happening right now. The Jets need to continue to build up his ice time down the stretch run. The Jets need Ehlers to be an impact player, and yes, that means he needs to play a little bit more, but he can't just go from 13 to 20 right now given the taxing nature of the schedule because they need him to get in, but if the Jets get in, they're going to need him to be healthy enough to be playing down the stretch run. So I don't want to see any trade Ehlers takes, and I also want the people who are going wild and saying the coach doesn't know what he's doing. The coach is familiar with the health portion of this scenario. That's why the minutes, I believe, are being reduced right now. And are there some things that Rick Bonus would like to see from Ehlers? Of course. But this is not a the player hates the coach, the player's mad at the coach. The player's trying to do his best to get his health back in order and to get his game where he wants it to be because he knows he's going to have to be an impact player for the Jets to kind of battle in this playoff run and try to get back into that top three scenario, which they did tonight. Um, okay, I want to switch gears here and get this in before uh, yeah. before we shut this show down. You're going to know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, the guys who were taken out of the lineup and the response that we get. So I'll give the backstory. Ken knows where I'm going with this. Ken and I both covered a series after the Winnipeg Jets in 2019 lost to the St. Louis Blues. Ken and I went on to the next round, uh, not working together at that time, but uh, we're we're having a good time together that's for sure after the games but uh uh dallas stars and the st louis blues went to game seven double overtime in that series what happened in that series i thought was a coaching opus an absolute coaching opus between uh two great coaches and what we saw in each of those games or sorry almost every game of that series was every time a team lost their coach made a drastic change taking somebody out of the lineup and plugging somebody else in. And every time they did that, that player had an effect on the outcome of the game. And then that would allow that team to win. And then the next coach would go and do the exact same thing, take someone out of the lineup. So it seemed like every single game there was a cost. There was a cost to inaction or maybe not good play or something like that. And an opportunity handed to someone. And that opportunity was constantly taken advantage of. Tonight, I thought this was the first time, Ken, that we really, really saw a drastic statement made by Rick Bonus. Maybe one that I think that we've, to a degree, been waiting for because this is a guy who had talked all year about the big stick that he held was restricting ice time. Well, 
it's one thing to take Samberg out for Stanley and Stanley out for Stamberg yeah. and every once in a while sneak, sneak Capo Bianco in. But to take Nate Schmidt out of the lineup after what they thought was not a good performance the previous night and then also take Logan Stanley out, put Samberg in, I think that's a one-off, but put Capo Bianco in and take Schmidt out with, with his message that he said. He was asked, what message does that give? The message was, you got to be better. Well, to have Capo Bianco come in and score the way that he did, I thought it was a stroke of genius. I thought it was Rick Bonus tapping into internal competition that was missing from this team. I thought it was Rick Bonus saying, listen, if we want to get somewhere, we need to create opportunity for people we haven't been creating opportunity for. He did that tonight. I wanted your takeaway on uh, what Rick Bonus pulled off here and why we saw a response when we've seen Rick Bonus doing so much over this losing stretch and there hasn't been a response. Yeah, I think it was important, and this is not a you know dump on Nate Schmidt. We know the kind of person Nate Nate is, and Nate plays hard, and he's he gives everything that he possibly has. It was a tough night for him on Friday, but he was not alone. There were plenty of people, and some people going wild. Oh, why wasn't it Demello? Well, Demello in the previous game was on for five goals for and none against. So yeah. And he's on the top pairing, so that that's why it was Nate Schmidt and not Dylan DeMello for all the folks wondering. But well, and if people want to go on that, Josh Morrissey was on for four goals last game, was he not? Josh right. Morrissey so had a rough game last game. It happens, and when you go up against quality competition, sometimes it's a rough night. I mean, does this mean Nate Schmidt's going to be out for the majority of the last twenty games? I don't think so. But here's the other part of the equation, Sean. Nate Schmidt has been through this in his career, not lately. This is something he had to go through a lot as a young player, as a member of the Washington Capitals. Healthy scratches and being the 7th or 8th defenseman, it's rough. It's a tough lot in life. Uh, But he can handle it mentally because he's a good leader and he's a hard worker. So important message sent and the fact that the Jets were able to respond emotionally was important. What did we hear from Josh Morrissey in the game after, or after the game in his scrum? He was saying his teammates are there to support him. And you know what else he said for those people who didn't see the interview? You know who one of the first people was to congratulate Kyle Capabianco when he came off the ice tonight? It was Nate Schmidt. He wasn't hanging around in the corner feeling sorry for himself that he was a healthy scratch. He's a good person. He's a good teammate. So he went to support his teammate. That's how you act when you're not in the lineup. And you know what he's also going to be doing? He's going to be doing everything he can to get himself back in the lineup. Because that's the way you handle it as a professional. So, is it the only thing? Is it was it an essential thing, or was it obvious that Nate Schmidt should come out? No, but Rick Bonus and his coaching staff saw something that they felt required some attention. That attention was received. It woke up his teammates, and the teammates responded. So, this is what coaches do. And for everyone saying, "Oh, he should do that with Mark Shifley or somebody else." You know, it's easy to say that when there are no consequences, especially that's not going to happen. You know, it's probably never going to happen. But anyways, it is okay to be accountable. And that's what he's done here. Where's a great example. John Cooper sat down, Braden Point and Steven Stamkos, and I think Kucherov for the entire third period this afternoon. So accountability is something that happens. You can't be banging that drum about sitting your good best players, you know, entire periods all year long but sometimes when teams are going through funks john cooper did something today it was a third period benching rick bonus scratched a popular player that puts teams on high alert and it tells you you need to have an emotional response and that's what the jets had because they didn't have an emotional response on friday and they got outworked and despite what the score said we talked about this enough on friday The Jets were outclassed by the Oilers on Friday night, and they responded by finding a way to get the job done in what was, you know, a sound game on a lot of fronts. Did they let one of the best players run wild in Leon Dreisaitl, who had three goals? Yes. But the other thing the Jets did was find a way to have a three-game season series with the leading goal scorer in the NHL and the best player in the world, and that player had a grand total of zero goals. I understand completely that he had four assists in the two games, and you can't score in every single game, but the Jets did a good job against Connor McDavid. They held him off the board entirely once, and they held him to one assist on the power play in another one of those games. So, you know, the original question about the about the healthy scratch, 
I think that's a card that a coach can play a few times during the year. This is the time for him to play it. He got their attention and his players responded behind them. And the other part of that equation too, Sean, it's not just the scratching portion. It's how the incoming players play their game. And that's why it was important for Kyle Capabianco to get the job done in his game. Capabianco, not just because he scored. 15 shifts for 10-32. Four shots on goal, five attempts. He did have three giveaways, but again, he made the simple play a lot of times. He is a mobile player, and whenever he's been called upon, he's stepped in and done a pretty darn good job. Um, a couple things I wanted to address there. First, uh, it was said earlier on, let me quickly find this. Uh, someone had suggested, oh boy, I, I can't find it. Um, okay, whatever. I'm going to move on from it. Dreisaitl scored because the Jets focused in on Connor McDavid. And this, while this sounds like it's silly, especially with the amount of goals that were scored by by Dreisaitl, the Jets basically were creating a scenario by which they were not going to give Connor McDavid a path to the net. And in doing so, because he's that good, it was going to open up paths to the net for other players. And they made a bet that they would be better off allowing those other players their chance of putting the puck in the net. As good as Leon Dreisaitl is, the idea being that there's less of a chance the puck goes in the back of the net, which is crazy to say after that goal that he scored on David Riddick yesterday. But yeah. it's right. The, 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 if In the law of numbers, Connor McDavid is at this stage more likely going to put the puck in the back of the net than Leon Dreisaitl is. So that's how they handled it. That's the way they did the situation. Leon Dreisaitl torched the Jets because the Jets were trying to keep Connor McDavid from scoring. Didn't work last night. They got enough in here so that it worked tonight. So it was a winning strategy tonight. This is a pick-your-poison situation with the Edmonton Oilers, and you are almost always drinking some poison when you play this team. The only question is, are you going to roll around with stomach cramps on the ground for a while, or are you going to end up six feet down? They ended up six feet down last night. They had the stomach cramps here tonight and came out on the other side of it. The other thing, Ken, I do disagree with you a little bit in this. The people who are calling for the benchings, I will say this. I think that this worked tonight. The reason why I think this is significant, Schmidt going out of the lineup, is because it's the. Fr- I, I do think there's a little bit of Rick Bonus down the stretch here having talked tough and said, This is what I expect and this is what's going to happen if there's not a response, right? Ice time is going to be taken away. This is going to be ha- going to happen. All these kind of things. And I do think that. If you say the right things, usually a team will just fall in line and do the right things. And every once in a while, you'll pull out the stick and show them the stick, and that's all it'll take. I think at one point when the Jets were playing poorly here, they essentially called Rick Bonus's bluff. Like these games where the, he said, we're going to see what we're made of next game, and the Jets came out and absolutely were no-shows, that was the Jets calling his bluff, or at the very least, not feeling the urgency to respond to their coach in that situation. And that was a problem. He needed to act. I don't have a problem. In fact, I think if he would have done it a long time ago, maybe we would have seen a different response from this team. We saw this. Hey, listen, if Kucherov and Point and Stamkos can be benched for a period like they were today by their head coach, John Cooper, Kyle Connor, I'm not I'm not saying specifically players because of how they play, but Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, no one is off the list in Winnipeg if those players are on the list in Tampa Bay, a team that knows I didn't say benching, I said healthy scratching. Yeah. Sure, healthy scratching. It's a big whatever. difference. I, I'm a, I don't think it's a big difference. I think it's almost the exact same thing. And here tonight, the reason why this caught the players' attention is because, like you said, it's a popular player, but it's a significant player who got taken out of the lineup, and we hadn't seen that happen here so far this year. I think if that had happened earlier on in the year with some significant players, that we would have seen maybe more of a response. And And, and what I'm saying, Ken, is... You know, because people are saying it here. A lot of people have said, look, this is just one win. Cool your Jets. All we can talk about is the game in front of us. This is a game, I think, to have, that builds a little bit of a belief. But from what I've seen from these Winnipeg Jets, if they came out and then got outshot 10-3 to by the San Jose Sharks in the first period on Monday, would anyone really be surprised? If that's the case and we start seeing this, I think Rick Bonus needs to respond like he did here. He needs to hold this team to account. And the way he did it but was by catching their attention, 
maybe it was a little bit of a Kevin Cheveldayoff half measure in that he didn't go for one of the biggest dogs on this team, but he went for a dog big enough that it caught people's attention. That's why I think we saw a response here tonight. I think we should see more of that down the stretch if we see the Jets reverting to what we've seen from them in the previous eight games before this. Uh, Ken, anything you want to say before we shut it down and do the uh, Home Field Dig Deeper Award winner? No. I think we've had a lot of airtime in the last uh, three days here. A lot of uh, okay. articles written. I'm I'm good. Well, Tapped then out. it is time to throw a spotlight on the comments that stand out in this show as we choose the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And I'm going to go right to the very beginning of this with Pat Rathwell, who says the Jets really stuck with it tonight and didn't fold. That was good to see finally. This is the key to them winning here tonight. There were two key moments in this game, the first goal of the game and the first comeback that uh, I think it was Matthias Janmark who scored the shorthanded goal that put them ahead. Did it put them ahead at that point of the game? 3-2, Ken? I, th- I believe that uh, was the case. Either way... No, that tied it 2-2. Jets- that tied it. So who who scored the goal to put them up? Leon. One. Leon, Leon Dreisaitl scores. They were quick in-succession goals. The Jets came back right after that and scored bang, bang. That would have been a Dennis bang, bang moment, no doubt, in that situation. But the Jets had every opportunity to crumble the way we have seen them crumbling so much in the past. There was a resolve that existed within the Winnipeg Jets tonight that I don't believe we have seen for a while. That resolve with this team and this talent can be enough on many occasions to get this team over the hump. If they can carry that forward, going forward, this team is going to give itself a chance to do something and maybe make some noise in the playoffs. If it doesn't, uh, I think in a little bit we're going to be back to talking about them maybe dropping out of the playoffs. Although, if Calgary loses here tonight, I mean, I'm feeling confident in my take that the Winnipeg Jets are making the playoffs. I, to be honest with you, was never really worried about it. But uh doesn't mean they need to keep losing to, to make it a, a, a dangerous game. Anyways... Thank you so much, Pat Rathwell, for your winning comment. And just like Pat Rathwell, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Pat, you got to get a hold of me. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name, which I believe is Pat Rathwell, and your email. And I will send you your voucher for your very own trunk shuffle shovel brought to you by Kenny and Rennie and the people at Homefield. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you, Ken, for doing a great job here tonight. we got to go see uh, Speck and Harn Ryan and the boys uh, da- down uh, I don't know where we're going to be. Uh, probably shouldn't uh, publish uh, publish that information. But anyways, thank you, Ken. Great job. Thank you to our chat room. Please don't forget, leave don't forget. a like if you liked what you had here tonight. I am going to play the video on the uh, way out, and I did not want to forget on the way out to say that if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing Company, the Johnston Group, Lou Ferlin, and Homefield Thank you so much to them for being along for the ride. Thank you to you all for being along to the ride. We appreciate it. We will talk to you again on Monday after another Sportsnet game, a Monday night hockey game, a big one. Hey, a big clash between Norris Trophy candidates in Eric Carlson and Josh Morrissey, the Winnipeg Jets' undisputed MVP. It's going to be a good one. Can't wait to talk to you all after that game. See ya. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union, Lou Ferlin, Trans Canada Brewing, Vittorio Rossi, and Johnston Group.